0: If you would open your Bibles or get your notes out, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. We're in a series, and in this series, my intent has been to talk about the importance of cutting a new path in your life. But every now and then in your life, you have to decide, I want a different life. I want a different result for my life. And I want you to, whether you're using the app, and we have an app uh, that you can use. Uh, you can add sermon. I think it's um, sermon notes on, on the app and all those other different choices, and you can use those to follow me along. But the goal of the study today is to get you to think about how you can cut a new path. So there's three things I've said to you so far, two I've taught on so far this year. If you want to cut a new path, you must first build a better you. The second thing you must do is you must build build a better vision. You've got to be able to see your life differently. If you don't, you're never going to change anything. It's just a bunch of words and conversation. And so it's important for you today to understand that this is key to your life being better. So repeat this with me, please. Say, build a better you, build a better vision, and build a better foundation. We'll start that that next week. I'm going to change gears a little bit earlier than I planned because I need to I need I need to say some things to you from the book of Daniel. I need to get you in a book of the Bible, and we're going to plow our way through Daniel for a while, just to show you how, how they built. There are five people in that book I want to highlight. Uh, four you know and one you will probably ignore. But I want to show you how they built a new foundation. And what I'm really excited about is a sermon I'm going to do called Building a Foundation When It's Unfair. How life sometimes isn't what you planned. You're in a situation that's not fair. And in Daniel, they lived under, uh, under, under slavery. They're in bondage, but God prospered them in that place in a way that was unique. And I'll show you how sometimes you don't have perfect circumstances, but you have a perfect God who can make it amazing. Come on, amen. say amen, right? Amen. But that's another study we'll do. All will start next week. If you would go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, I want to read a verse to you that, that really makes uh, three words come alive. Repeat them with me, please. Say Location. Okay. Location. 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 No, say it again. Come on, say location. 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 Whenever you're getting ready to start a business and you're trying to find a piece of property, they'll always say it's location. Location, location, location. It's big, big, big um, principle in real estate. You want to make sure your business is located where people can find you. Now, I want to read a verse where Peter makes the same point, but he makes it from a different place. It's not just geographic location that's important. Is is where you are in your head. If your mind is 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 focused in the wrong location, if you're thinking the wrong thoughts, it affects your life. And so Peter makes a surprise statement in Second Peter chapter three, and he says something that I've kind of referenced to for the last month or so because this revelation really blessed me. Here's what he said: "Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a what, a thousand, thousand years, years, and a thousand years is as a what, day, is one day." day. 2 Peter 3 and 8. The key word is, he said, one day, 24-hour day in our world is different from God's world. One day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. In other words, time is different from God's perspective. We have 24 hours, we get locked into that and that's pretty much how we see the world. And he tries to say, well, you know, God's not kind of like under that burden. He sees times differently. So it would be like, for example, 24-hour, one day is 24 hours, right? If you took 24 and divided it into 1,000, you round it up, you come to about 42. So an hour in, hour in heaven would be like 42 years on earth. So if you're 42 years old, you're about an hour old from heaven's perspective in terms of how he sees that. So if you're 80 years old, you're just two hours old. So that kind of makes you see things different. From a different location, you see differently. When you have a heavenly perspective, when you have a different view, everything's different. When you were younger, you saw money one way. You get older, you see it another way. Seasons of life, location, all that changes everything. I thought about Jesus, and I've said this to you before, but Jesus came down and save the world based on this time clock we just just looked at. It's about 30 minutes. It's kind of like God said, you know, I'll go fix everything in about 30 minutes. Watch a sitcom, I'll be done. Die for the world, everything. From where he's located, everything looks different. Death looks different when you look at it from that perspective. That's what he really encouraged me. Because here you are crying over death. And what sparked this in me was a friend of mine asked me a question. His daughter died, and he asked me a question. He said, how can she look at me from heaven and be okay? And I said, because of her perspective. She sees time differently. She, in, her, in her world, she'll see you in a few minutes. From where she's sitting, this is, we're the only ones stuck in the 24-hour circle. Can you get an amen there? That's why the loss of a loved one is different to the loved one that was lost. That's good stuff if if you're hearing me. So, everybody say location, location, location. 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 John chapter 1 verse 51, Jesus kind of says, let me take this a little further for you. Let me show you how heaven is relating to you because there's a, there are two things that, that God promised that we would see when he came into the world, when Jesus came into the world. And, and he wanted to get them to, to get that heavenly perspective. And to get it, here's what he said, John chapter 1, verse 51. He said to him, "Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see what? Heaven open. Pause right there. From now on, you're going to see heaven open. And secondly, you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You're going to see a whole new influx of spiritual movement. When I come, and, and now that I'm here. And that is a profound thought. Now, one of the things that happens whenever you talk about angels or spiritual stuff, people start thinking, oh boy, we're getting weird. And I understand that's a fear, because some people are a little bit weird, a little bit strange. But, but you've got to be careful that you don't discount what he said. Heaven is open. Can you sit up with me? Please? Come on. Heaven is open. Now, watch this. Heaven's open, and the angels are descending and ascending. In other words, I'm engaging you. We wrestle not against, Paul said this, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There is a spiritual, there's a spiritual work happening in your life. There, there is a God who wants to reach you. There is a God who cares about you. There's a God who sends angels to touch your life. Now, I'm telling you, you look around you, you know this world didn't get jacked up this bad by itself. Some of the things you see happen, you look into the face of those who, who maybe committed certain crimes, did certain things, there was an influence beyond them. There, there are things that parents say, I raised you, right? How in the world did you get that jacked up? What did, who told you to do that? There's your son, big head on the video robbing something. You say, is that, is that John? <laughs> I know Tim. I know Sue. That's Susie man, under that. I don't care how, what mask she got on. That's her big head. I know it's her. I know that big head anywhere under a mask robbing a bank. What in the world? And you just pick up the phone and say, that's my daughter, that's my son, and when they come home with some extra money, they say, where'd you get it? Over time, where, at the bank? (laughs) And you just know something's influenced your kid. I believe in that, I believe that there there, there are things out there, And, and God says there's a right influence too, I send angels, and there are three things he promises, I love this, three things he says angels do for us in our lives, and I I think this is just such a great promise. Here's what he said. Psalm 91, first of all. And I want you to notice this now. Psalm 91 was the favorite verse of the founder of this church. Ernestine Dilworth. She quoted it all the time. She loves this verse. Here's what it says. For he shall give his angels what? Charge "Charge over you. To do what? Keep you. To do what? Keep you. Bold prince, people. To do what? Keep 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 you in all your ways. See, notice that. In their hands, they shall bear you up. At least you dash your foot against a stone. Now, the enemy used this in Matthew chapter 4 against Jesus to try to get him to to do something silly to prove that God was with him. And that's a bad thing to do. Let me just spend all my money and hope God provides it. You know, really? Really? I'm just going to jump off this cliff that the enemy told him. Jump off the cliff and prove that God will catch you. He said the angels will bear you up. This is not, a, this is not for you to become foolish and take unnecessary risks. This is about you understanding... I, I promise you that you're not alone in this fight. I promise you that you're not alone in this fight. That I have sent, I have, a, heaven is open in your life. And I've seen it in my life. I've seen God provide for us. I've seen God open doors for me. I'm watching God make hard things easier for me. I'm watching God bring the right support systems into my life to help me do things that I couldn't do on my own. And all of that is part of God's strategy. Second thing he says the angels will do in, in Psalm 34 and 7, he said, the angel of the Lord, I love this, encamps around all those who fear him. But I love the word encamp because I'm, I'm a camper at heart. I used to camp a lot when I was a kid. And there's something about getting out in the woods and getting out in the field and getting out. You've got military people call it the field. But getting out there and, and uh, I like nature. I, I find that I love walking outside. I hate a treadmill. I got one, but I hardly ever use it. I love Getting out and feeling the wind. And uh, this week I was in Dallas uh, in school for a week of classes in the doctoral program. And I just, you know, I, was, and, you know, I, was, I just loved it. I, lo- I went morning, went in the evening, and I just walked all around and had a ball. I prayed and put my, put my ear pods in and just had a ball. And there's something about, about that kind of engagement in my life. And I, I've, I, I feel that whenever I'm out in nature, I can feel God around me. There's something about the way he says this, the angels encamp around you. And thirdly, second, third verse, Exodus chapter 23 verse 20, God told uh, Israel, he said, Behold, I sent an angel before you to keep you in in the way, to bring you into the place which I have prepared. I'm involved in your life. Would you lift your hand and say with me, say, God is involved. God God wants to be involved involved in my life. I believe this. I believe it. I watch it. I watch when I have things that come up on me. But there are things that make this hard. Things that make it hard for us to see heaven is open. Certain things can happen in your life, and there are five things I want to name. One of them is painful losses. Loss changes everything for you. It can rewrite your faith, rewrite your confidence. It can make you feel life is not worth living. Loss is a part of the journey. 55 million people die a year. 150,000 die a day. A day in the world. And so learning how to manage painful loss is really an important point of maturity. Here's what I believe. I believe that when I die, I want you, as I said all the time, I want you to feel you know, a little bit sad. You know, I don't want you to all laugh and, oh, he's glad he's gone. I don't want any of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's important that you show you know, some, some pity and some sad tears and everything, you know. Um, but I, I don't want you, to, to me, this is my opinion. I, don't, I think that if something were to happen to me and I weren't here, for me, for you to die with me and climb into the casket with me, even though there won't be a casket, because you people have said you won't do what I asked you to do. So we're going to have a memorial service for me. Because I asked you to sit me up in a chair, and I wanted to, now I want to point like this. But the whole church said no. <laughs> Watch, we're going to vote again. All in favor of not doing, of not having a casket with me pointing when you come to the door, say aye. aye. All in favor of not doing it that way, say aye. aye. Who will do it? Do I, have, do I have enough vote for it to do it? I got two people, three, four. Okay, we're still not going to do it. I'm not coming to the funeral. Praise God, I'm not coming. <laughs> I will have a picture of me. That's it. <laughs> But I think what's really tragic is for me to have, have a, a church that dies when I die. My kids should live. I, I you know, if Christina and Ricky try it, I'm I'm asking for special permission to come down and slap them. To <laughs> go down there and pop them. Stop it. I mean, you know, grieve a little bit. You know, fall down once or twice. But after that, I want you, I want you to get up. Okay, you all ain't even falling. I can tell this ain't working. <laughs> but my point is, I really believe this. I do funerals all the time. And I'm telling you, there's something about being really clear in your mind. That painful losses, in my opinion, can have an impact on you. But in, it, it, this is my view. My mother worked hard. And for me to, to not be more excited about life, because she scrubbed floors so that I can go stay in the Hilton, and fly first class. She worked hard for me. I should live as if I appreciate it. And come on, amen. I should live as if I appreciate it. And, and here's the deal. If heaven's open, I just believe she can see it from a different perspective. Like, come on, Rick, get a grip. You'll see me in a few minutes. A day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. I, you need to get your clock adjusted, sir. I need you to go win souls, do what you need to do, you know, don't be afraid of life, run at it, charge at it, but to to make a monument of me and to allow that to become, I'm not saying it's wrong to honor your parents on their birthday or to say something, I'm I'm not against any of that, I'm not saying that's wrong, I'm simply saying in my opinion as a dad, I would not want my daughter, I would not want my daughter to do that, or my son, or my grandbaby, I wouldn't want that to happen. I think it's really important to remember the good part. Good part. Painful losses are painful. I'm sure my little grandbaby Milani's gonna miss me when when if she grows up, get to be around me, and she'll see, yeah, she'll miss me. I tried to can I can I say something that has nothing to do with the sermon? Okay, i get on, I'm gonna get back on that in a minute. I was I was trying to watch some cartoons with her the other day and I thought, you know, it'd be great. You know, you know, she wants let me show you some of my cartoons. So I showed her Bugs Bunny. You know what she told me? That's a bad rabbit, Papa. <laughs> I said, what, Milani? That's a bad rabbit, Papa. He always in trouble. He hit people. He is red. You know, in school, they rage you green, right? She said, he is red. I don't want to watch him, Papa. He's bad. So I tried to explain it to her. It didn't work. Girlfriend will not going to have none of that Bugs Bunny stuff, man. Okay, got nothing to do with it. Painful loss. Everybody has them. Everybody has losses. Everybody has moments in their life. But I wouldn't want my life to be dominated by that. Second thing that can cause you to have blindness where you can't see heaven open is when you have marital issues. Yes, Lord Jesus, you said I do, and now you say I don't. I'll come back to that in a minute. Tensions with children. How in the world could these kids be at odds with me now? I raised them, I fed them, I didn't hurt them too bad. They're living, and now now you feel like a failing parent. And so if you're not careful, you can wonder, Lord, where are you? My marriage is bad, my kids, you feel like heaven's closed in your life. Add to that emotional warfare, which is horrible, internal depression, loneliness, all those feelings that dominate your life, and it make you feel like life is difficult. And let me just throw this in. I said it to the men in our men's meeting this morning. at eight o'clock, we have a, every first Sunday, we have a men's gathering, at eight o'clock, you're welcome to come to it every first Sunday. And one of the things that uh, <laughs> it really was powerful, I said, the older you get, the more alone you are. That's true, because the kids grow older, a lot of men, in particular. you're by yourself a lot, and, and your mind starts wondering, and just, it's really amazing what can happen to you. But managing that emotional warfare inside can be difficult. And I'll talk about that in a minute, too. And then fi- lastly, financial problems can be a challenge. <coughs> okay, put financial challenges on top of all of that stuff, and you're just weighed down. So here's some answers, five important answers to five blinding questions that can help you see again. I want to help you see again in each of those five areas. Number one. How do you manage losing someone you love? Here's what you do. You ready? Say change, change your, perspective. your perspective. Change your perspective. Second Peter chapter 3. Remember what I just said. Time is different. See it differently. You might say, well, but it hurts. I know it hurts, but change your perspective. That's a decision. Courage is about stepping to, the, stepping to this new place. Stepping to this new place. I'm here now. That, that's all changed. Secondly, you ready? How do you how do you fix your marriage? It's falling apart. Be on, be be honest about what you control and what you don't. I, our marriage, you know, I don't control all the elements of our marriage. Diane and I, I, I wish I did, but I don't. It's her decision, my decision. A lot of times, when you have people that have bad marriages and they're struggling, you don't know what caused it until you really ask a family member who knows them. That's why sometimes I'll say, "What would your mother say about this? What would your cousin say?" Oh, I know. I can tell you why she having trouble. She crazy. She don't cook, she don't clean, she sloppy, and she means a snake. Cuss you, fight you, stab you if you don't mess with you mess with her. She dangerous. That's why that's why no man stay with her. That's what a cousin or somebody who knows you would say. Cause they say every relationship they've had they, they break up in a violent way because because she has this tendency when she gets ticked, upset, she she don't she don't act right. And she let no. I cut you, and I cut the last one. No, that's that, and that's a family, that's a tradition. The reason, that if if it's a guy, his mama would say, or his daddy, or cousin, or father, whoever you can ask, a, father, a brother would say, oh, he cheats. He's not faithful. He's not faithful to anybody. He he's he unfaithful to himself. He just cheats every time. You know, no 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 sense of commitment. And he does it publicly, privately, lies without thought. See, and when I see you, I don't know why you're in this trouble. Because you come in here and pray, oh Jesus! I don't know what the devil's doing. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you know, you know more than you're letting on. You know, you know why, why? 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 What's going on with you? You're high all the time. That's why. You smoke too much dope. Okay, get quiet. It's fine. Be quiet. I don't know. You don't know what I'm talking about. You smoke all the time. you one of them sneaky smokers. You done sprayed yourself up before you came here so nobody can smell it. You smoke all the time. You high as a kite. Now, you coming down a little bit because I'm talking about you. You coming down. <laughs> coming down a little bit. <laughs> you talking about me today. <laughs> I should have streamed in. I shouldn't have come in person. I should have. <laughs> and some of you streamers say, "That's why well, I ain't coming, man. I'm going to watch you online. You get to talking about me. I can click it off. But you click it off. You stay with me. You stay with me. Drink too much. You're not in your right mind most of the time. And so people who know you would know that when you get into an intimate relationship, it's still difficult. Marriage is marriage is close, man. It's real close. It's it's like it's like really close. You know, when you when you um not married, you can pretend a lot. You know, you, you can think a person don't even go to the bathroom. You I mean, honestly, God, they just let they float on, but when you marry them, oh, you know they go. You, you know, you can, I won't say how you know, but you know they go. <laughs> and you know they're not perfect. And you know they make mistakes. And you know they're flawed. And you can't hide behind your hair and your, your nails. They know you. He, she knows you. And there's something about that kind of relationship. Let me tell you what I think a lot of marriages are making. You ready? They don't, they don't like anything past the third floor. Kissing, hugging, and, and, and smacking, that's all they want. When it gets down to money, level five. When it gets down, the children, level 10. Oh, boy, don't save house. That's level 15. Grass, 20. I mean, the levels start climbing. And you start seeing you're not as organized, and marriage reveals that. Friend, that's why you don't have close friends. Some of you don't want close friends because they, they know you. They get to know you. They know you broke every 15th every, every month. 30th, they know you're going to call. You come the phone call. You know, they, you know, they know. They watch you. They know your life. They know that in your car you got french fries from last week under the seat. They know that. <laughs> but I don't know that. We fake a lot. We pretend a lot. And sometimes if you really want to change your life, you've got to cut a new path. You've got to come to a place where you have a different vision and say, we're going to build a better foundation. The truth about me is I create a world that I, I build this. I am building something I don't like. People will say, I'm disciplined. I say all the time, I'm not really, I don't consider myself to be disciplined. I'm desperate. But I had a little revelation the other day. Because people will say, you know, you're real disciplined. You know, you're real. I, 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 I'll, I'll do it this way, I'll, I'll go this far. Mr. Discipline and I have a relationship. And Mr. Discipline and I get along because I'm desperate to change. And Mr. Discipline will say, you. You know, in the morning, you want to get up, or what you want to do? In the bed, you know, I'm going to get up, Mr. Discipline. Why? Because I don't want to be late. I don't like. I'm desperate not to feel late again. I'm desperate not to be apologizing to people and saying, "Why I'm late again." I'm desperate, Mr. Discipline. You want to save some money this week? Yes, because I'm desperately determined that when I need $500, I can give it to myself. <laughs> I'm desperately determined to not have to ask you for it. I'm desperate reason I talk about money and teach you on giving and tithing because I'm do not i desperately determined not to be up here in a crisis. Tell y'all the light's being cut off this week and you please give us an offering. That's the devil. I rebind that in Jesus' name. We're not going to live like that. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Man. We're not going to live like that. That's almost everybody. Come on. Am I right about this or not? Come on. Talk to me, people. There's something about this, you know, when you, when you, when you get to this point in your life you willing to let, let somebody get close to me? My wife, my, your husband, whoever it is, friend, let them talk to you. Let somebody in your life. That's why you can't get there. That's why you can't, can't fix your finances. You can't fix your marriage. You can't fix any of that because you won't let anybody get close to you. I'm going to say a name. I know I'm going say a name, but I'm going to say a name Deborah Paget. We'll sent Deborah to state? You remind me to send this to Deborah. She's amazing. She's the chief financial officer for the for the um for Bishop Charles Blake's Church, West Angeles. Met her years ago. We ended up writing the book together. Deborah was the smartest money person I've ever met. And Deborah decided, and she in her company, they started working with us years ago on our finances and how we record our records. And every month, they check them. And they have this whole system we put together that's really quite amazing. So we have in-house auditors that we have that work on staff. We have outside Then we have an audit every year. And let me tell you what's really cool about this. And because of our our relationship with the bank, we have to send financials in every quarter. So what's really fascinating is when your money's analyzed and you're forced to let somebody close to you and they look at your balance sheet, your cash flow, your bottom line. They look at your life and your spending trends. And they send you graphs every month, every 30 days. Every seven days, we're looking at it in-house. And then we're looking at it every 30 days from an outside view. And they send me up nice personal pastoral summary so that I can read the notes. You need somebody to send you a hot email and say, what are you guys doing? Your spending trends are up. You need somebody that's in your business. You will never, look at the preacher here, you'll never have money because it's my business. That's a broke person talking. You will never have much because you won't let anybody know anything. You work too hard to be this broke. You work too hard to find love to let your love relationships fall apart over these same issues. I almost said dumb issues, but I won't say that. These are issues that you need to get past. You need to cut a new path in your life. Why are you going to school to fail? Help me get this. Why are you spending all this money? Just go home. If you're not going to study, if you're not going to invest the hours, then stop going. You're going to find John, Jimmy, and Susie Mae. They ain't going to help you. They're not going to pay you. They ain't got no money themselves. They're broke too. Two broke people of two broke people. What is that? And especially if you're a woman, you get to carry the baby. Trust me, honey, you do. Nine months. You get to carry the baby or you get the abortion. You get to carry the memory. You get to carry the memory. He, he has foot in and no stirrups nowhere. Listen to me. You, by yourself, for the rest of your life, have to remember, remember things. And, and he gone somewhere with somebody else. Care for yourself better than that. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen if I'm preaching to you today. Care for yourself better than that. Here's what I, I think you ought to do No, you know. Here's what I think you ought to do. Really? Oh, now you got an opinion worried now because you, you ain't got no money. You don't want to pay for this baby. So now, excuse me for going this far, but hang with me. You'll survive it. So now you got an opinion. You want to lead me now. You could have led me away from sex, but you don't want to lead me into that. And then after we do this, we're going to have sex again. And so we're going to keep on doing the same thing, live in the same circle. And before you know it, I've done this two or three times, and I got two or three memories in my head now. See? And then you go get somebody else. Really? Really? That's leadership? That's where we're going. When are you going to care for yourself more than that? Pastor Rick already been there. Well, stop going there. Look, I'm not not, not here to throw anybody under the carpet. I'm I'm not here to mock anybody. I don't have a perfect life, and I haven't made perfect decisions. So I don't have any right to throw rocks at you. But here's what I'm saying. Cut a new path. Here's what I'm saying. Come to a place where you have a new vision for your life. The next time a man asks you to sleep with him, you got to ask him, do you have $220,000? That's what one baby costs. You want to you wanna sleep with me? You got $220,000? You ain't got that? Okay, well, well, well ask God for strength, brother, because no. You ain't got $220,000. And, you, and how many people have you slept with before me? And how many babies have you left behind you? 220,000 times how many babies? Let me say, Pastor Rick, now, man, you messed up my love life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're trying to mess up my love life. No, I don't appreciate that. Okay. Can I just say this? That's why you get on my nerve. <laughs> what do you think? This is a game. That's why you don't want to be seen in mean, marriage. You find out it ain't no game. Babies show up for real. You got to pay for them. You got to take care of them. Some of you right in here, right now today, Lord, I almost said it. One night stands, two night stands, moment in the back of the car. Oh, help me not go too far today, Jesus. And now you all mad because your daddy and your mama wasn't that I tell one person told me I thought it was amazing. They said, well, Pastor Rick, we didn't plan on having no baby. We just trying to have some fun. You know what I'm saying? A <laughs> sister told me that. A woman told me that. Honest. but here's what you find. Ask the old people. Oh, it don't work like that. You crank the engine, sometimes the car crank up for real. (laughs) Run off the road. Lose your mind. Wake up, got problems. Got issues. Follows you around for life. I wish it was like TV, but it ain't like TV. They're all over each other. Nobody ever get pregnant. They're all over each other. Nothing happens. But in real life, that ain't what's happening. That's the actors they're pretending. In real life, it's not like that. Generations are affected because of your sexual attitudes. At some point in your life, at some point in your life, everything changes. I ain't even close to finishing, so you might as well hold on. It's going to be a while. (laughs) I ain't even close. I know I'm supposed to be, but life like that. <laughs> Say preach it. Preach it. <laughs> Sometimes in your life, losing someone affects you. Marriage affects you. Children affect you. If you are single, the issue is It's not your season. Just accept it. Save yourself, love yourself, and live your life. Say amen if you hear me. So here's what you do. You ready? If you lost somebody, say change your perspective. perspective. If your marriage is in trouble, say "Be be honest about your part. If you're a person who's single, say it's not my season. Not your season. Just accept that. Number four, are you ready? If your children are out of control, I want you to go to your children and have a conversation. They have a side to this, they have a story to tell. They have a story to tell. Their story is obvious. Something's wrong. Now talk to them, don't blame them. Sometimes I think we spend so much time blaming our kids for where they are, but what did you contribute to that? Well, yeah, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to cut you. All that. You're telling your kids that. They don't have any money. They, uh, this is one thing that bugs me, too. I'm a big believer in allowances because I believe you can't manage what you don't have. So they get to college. They don't know how to manage any money because they never had any money consistently. And they need to have money consistently. You need to come up with the system. Well, I can't just give them money. See, there you go. Back up a train a little bit. I'm trying to help you because you're going to pay it anyway. Now or Later. If you don't teach your kids how to manage money, if you don't make it make it happen, you know, I'd rather give you hundred dollars a month in an organized way, and you knew how to manage it, than me give you ten here, ten here, ten there. I'd rather just sit you. I did that with my kids. I just gave them money. Here's the deal: I established a Temple Bank and Trust, Temple Bank and Trust, and I, I set it up, and they 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 got money on a, on a consistent basis, and their job was to. And I we, we talked it through. You know, bank opened it nine, closed it four, all that. <laughs> They wanted money. Christina, come up here for a second. Girl, grab money. I know you don't want to get me bugging you. I'm sorry, but uh, I'm sorry. That is part of being my daughter. You get life. Life is like that. She looking fly today too. Come on up here. Come, on up, here. Yeah. come on up here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come on up here, big girl. So, so tell me, tell me, tell me. So, so what did we do when you wanted money?
1: Oh uh, yeah, you you had you told us that we had to use a temple bank of trust. So like if we were at the store, you know, the grocery store, they have like the little just tempting items right there at the cash register, the candy, the little toys or whatever. He was like, yeah, you can have it. Temple Bank of Trust. Daddy, can I have a bag of Skittles? Yeah, you can have it. Temple Bank of Trust. So how'd you check out money? Um, You had this little notepad. (laughs) (laughs) That was a long time ago, y'all. Yeah, before we had phones or anything, you had like this little flip notepad, and it had like all of the money that we had, and so if we wanted to withdraw from the account, We had to subtract the amount of money, and then we knew our new total at the end. And so, yeah, that's how it worked. And, of course, the truth of the matter is, whenever he said, you can have it, Temple Bank of Trust, it was like, oh, you know what? I really don't need that. I can just go without. (laughs) Because it was my money. I didn't want to use my money, but, you know.
0: Do you remember the lecture you gave Ricky in the back of the car, how you're tired, of parents always talk about Temple Bank and Trust and parents. Don't recall that conversation. You don't recall it, And that parents (laughs) and that, Ricky, I'm so tired of this Temple Bank and Trust thing. I think parents ought to buy their kids stuff sometimes. Don't you, Ricky? I said, do you guys know we're in the car? I'm in the car. I hear you talking. Thank you, baby. Give my girl a big hand. Isn't she great? Come on. Isn't she great? Yeah, she led the conversation. I'm tired of that Temple Bank and Trust. I just want a $25 t-shirt. You can have it, baby. You just spend your money. <laughs> but what you do is you create a financial system where they they have money and then let them make choices. Why do you have financial problems? Because you keep doing the same thing over and over again. I close with an illustration I gave yesterday that really stayed with me that helped me. This is your life. And your life is at some point place. I don't know where your life is. I um, was honored to do a home going for one of our members who's here today, and, and I talked about this topic with, at the home goings. I call it the last chapter of your life. And I said, if you took your life and divided it up into seasons or into chapters, and you said every 10 years you change chapters. So when you're 10 years old, that's chapter one. When you're 20 years old, it's chapter two and so on. And I said, the average person lives, I'm, I'm really stretching it about 80. That's really kind of exaggerated a little bit. So, but let's say that's eight chapters. You get eight chapters in your life. And if I make it just for fun to nine, let's say you get nine chapters in your life. Every day is a page. So what chapter are you in in your life? I'm in chapter six. I'm 60. And every year, every day, I'm writing a new page. So the question is, if you were to come to the end of your book, right, what would your book be called? How about this? Maybe we call your book um, Almost Right with God. Then I died, but I think I wasn't right with him when I died. I was almost right with God. Or how about this? Uh, just about to do right. Just not, not oh, God, I didn't do it, right? Here's one. Uh, mad all the way to the grave. If you look at my life, it's over. If I died right now, here's what it would say. I, was, I hated him, her, all the way to the grave. Or right, here's one. I finally see what matters, and I'm out of time. I finally see it. That's the advantage of being older. At 60, honest to God, you look back and say, I'm wiser than I've ever been. I now get it. Now, that's a potential chapter for your life, but it could be this. You ready? I finished my course and kept the faith, 2 Timothy 4, 7. I like that closing. Like Paul, I'm done. I did what I was supposed to do, or maybe this one. I had fun. I like this one now. I had fun, but it's time to go. Like Gladys Knight, goodbye. (laughs) And here's a better one. At the end of my life, when the book is closed, I want to say, no regrets, Big Prince. No looking back. See you in a few minutes. That's my prayer. I want heavenly perspective. Come on, say amen. I want a heavenly perspective. <laughs> Father, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the message today. I thank you that angels are descending and ascending. I thank you, God, for all that you've done today. We leave this place with a heavenly perspective. Knowing that angels are sent to heal and to help us, that your presence is in our lives. We leave confident, Lord, that you will help us with our marriage issues. Our state of being single will be okay with this. We believe by faith, God, that your hand is on us. So today I thank you for what's been said. May everyone in this room and everyone watching from home feel the presence of God in their life and make a decision to redirect their path. And build a better foundation as we take on that study next week and we talk about how foundations are important if you once you see something you've got to do something so today we thank you give you praise with every head bowed every eye closed if you're here today and you say with your head bowed please i pastor what you said spoke to me i do need to build a better foundation i do see clearer today and I want to start a life with Jesus. I want to get my life going in the right direction. You're not going to be perfect overnight, but you're going to simply say, hey, man, I, I I get it. If you want me to pray for you because you want to start a life with Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Anybody say pray for me, Pastor. I see one. I see two. Anybody else? Three. Do I see anybody else saying pray for me, Pastor? I see four or five. I see more. Anybody else? So I see you. Where are you at? Let me see your hands. I see you. I see you. Thank you. And you and you. God bless you. Let's all lift our hands together with these. Many lifted their hands and some lifted their hearts. Father, I pray for people who lifted their hands, people who lifted their hearts, people who are watching from home, wherever they are on demand, wherever they're watching. Let the Spirit of God touch them. Let this be a healing moment for them where they say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I am determined, Lord God, to be obedient to you. I am determined in Jesus' name to be transformed by the power of the living God, healing and blessing and grace in the lives of all those who pray this prayer. May this be the moment they surrender their lives to Christ and find new hope. And I give you praise for them in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. amen. Give God a big hand clap. Praise God for those who let me pray for them. Thank you. Two things I want to.